This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 82 Inch. On this week's episode, John Bermuda Schwartz joins us as we raid his Weird Al archive to share more rare clips and promos. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're so excited to share these brand new clips that Bermuda brought with him. But first, we've got so much that we've got to cover. Last week's episode with Jason Thiessen got such a great response. Thank you to all the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fans and friends of our podcast who checked the episode out on YouTube. And I guess now would be a good time to remind everybody that you can listen to Jason's episode and all of our episodes on YouTube. Head over to youtube.2000inch.com and listen and subscribe for free. And if you're listening to this on YouTube right now, click subscribe. What are you waiting for? A big thank you to everyone who just clicked subscribe and to all of you who've already subscribed. Big breaking news. Congratulations to Grammy-nominated Jim Kimo West on yet another Grammy nomination. His album More Guitar Stories was nominated in the Best New Age category at the upcoming 63rd Grammy Awards. This is the same category that Moku Maluhia, Peaceful Island, was nominated in at the 61st Grammy Awards for albums containing at least 51% playing time of new vocal or instrumental New Age recordings. Best of luck to our favorite slack key guitar player and artist behind the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast theme song. We will be rooting for you on January 31st. Do we need to start calling him two-time Grammy Award-nominated Jim Kimo West now? Yes, but only until January 31st. Then we can hopefully start calling him Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West. Also check out two-time Grammy Award-nominated Jim Kimo West's holiday show this coming December 13th at 4 p.m. Star Time. That's 7 p.m. Burrito Burrito Time. Kimo will be performing holiday classics from his Christmas albums along with several others. Tickets are only $15 plus you get 20% off any merchandise. For more details, check out jimkimowest.com. Now this is super exciting. Both of us have received our early copies of the brand new Dr. Demento compilation album called First Century Dementia. And I gotta tell you, it's pretty stinking majestic. The album will officially be released this coming Friday, November 27th, and the CDs will be available everywhere music is sold. But, collectors, there is a limited edition vinyl that will also be available. Yes, the two-disc black vinyl gatefold LP will be available exclusively at indie record stores on Record Store Day, Black Friday 2020. Visit recordstoreday.com for a list of participating stores. Also in Dr. Demento news, in addition to the slew of fun new products, Demented Punk has just launched an incredible set of Weird Al's Beat on the Brat enamel pins. This is a major collector's alert for Weird Al fans. To get your set, don't wait. These will probably sell fast. Head to DementedPunk.com for these awesome Weird Al enamel pins. 
Demented Punk also has new Wormios fish head pins, the Barnes & Barnes Christmas album Holidays in Lumania on vinyl, a new set of face masks, and plenty more. I know where I'm shopping for Christmas. Dementedpunk.com Weird Al is scheduled to make yet another appearance on Puddle's Pity Party this weekend. Puddle's Home Alone Holiday Special debuts this Saturday, November 28th on puddlespityparty.veeps.com. Now also making an appearance, Jack Black, Patton Oswalt, and Santa Claus! Wow, the real Santa Claus? What do you mean, real Santa Claus? Of course it's the real Santa Claus. Who else would it be? Yeah, okay, I I guess you're right. For more details, check out puddlespityparty.veeps.com. Yesterday, November 24th, was a very special anniversary in Weird Al history. Yes, November 24th was the 34th anniversary of Weird Al appearing on The Joe Franklin Show back on November 24, 1986, where he debuted The Joe Franklin Song. Our friend and big podcast supporter, Mike Minnick, sent us a great parody of the Joe Franklin song, All About Our Podcast. We are thrilled to have the privilege to premiere Mike's parody on the anniversary of the original Joe Franklin song that Weird Al wrote. Since the anniversary was yesterday and we missed it, we can't wait for you to all hear it on Wednesday, November 24th, 2021, the 35th anniversary. We look forward to sharing that parody with you next year. Thank you for all of your hard work, Mike. Here in the good old USA, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And to help us celebrate our good Canadian friend, Chris Sear sent us some Thanksgiving-themed artwork. You'll definitely recognize Chris's artwork style. He does amazing artwork and has surprised us on many occasions with incredible custom drawings. His newest batch has Dave and I as, get this, pumpkin pies with pilgrim hats covered in whipped cream. (laughs) You can't get any more American than that. Actually, you can get more American than that because in a twist, Chris also sent us a drawing of a giant turkey gorging himself by eating both of us. Now, what's even more incredible is not only does the turkey resemble the alien on the food album cover art, but you can see our skeletons picked clean with nothing left but our beard and glasses and apples in our mouth. I guess beards and glasses and apples just aren't on a giant alien turkey's diet. Good to know! So, happy Thanksgiving to all of our U.S. listeners and a happy Thursday to Chris and all the other Canadian idiots. Speaking of a traditional American Thanksgiving feast, do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese at Burrito Burrito's new pop-up Wizard Burger? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? No, man. They're vegan there. They wouldn't know what the heck a quarter pounder is. What do they call it? They call it Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. What do they call the Orc Popper Burger with Melba sauce? Orc Popper Burger is an Orc Popper Burger, but they call it Lay Orc Popper Burger. Lay Orc Popper. What do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go into a Burger King. I went to Wizard Burger, part of the vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York. 
This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Mexican Restaurant Burrito Burrito in True New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in the quesadilla burrito burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquare.com and at Burrito Squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. Wow. While Ethan is recovering from that ad, I am excited to introduce our guest this week. This is a real treat. We have back with us our good friend who happens to also be Weird Al's drummer since 1980 and the author of the brand new book, Black and White and Weird All Over, The Lost Photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1983 to 1986. We are honored to welcome John Bermuda Schwartz back to the podcast. How's it going, Bermuda? It's going very well. Thank you very much. The, the book actually just came out. It just is officially released now. And uh, I, I think is doing well. I, I don't know. I got one review on Amazon, and it's it's five stars. Oh, hey. So you can't beat that. That's that's pretty good. 100% five-star ratings. Woo. Love it. Wow. Last time we talked to you, the book was just being announced and just going on to pre-sale. And now actually having seen and held and read the book, it completely has lived up, if not surpassed, expectation. It is just completely pretty stinking majestic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm very proud of it also. Once I saw, you know, I, I've had a copy in my hands for a little while. And uh, you guys have copies. And, and Al's, you know, I watched Al thumb through the copy that I gave him and... Uh, Everyone loves the book, and I'm, it's, it makes me very, very proud. I mean, I'm very, very happy that it's being well-received. So especially by Uber fans like uh, you guys and uh, the Uber Uber fan himself, the gal. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, the fact that he likes it, that's, that's most important of all. If, yeah. if he likes it and approves it, then, then I'm good. So it officially came out on November 17th, but of course, depending on who pre-ordered it, from where, and, and if you got the special edition one, some people have had it. What's the most surprising comment you've gotten so far? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had hoped I would get good responses, and, and I have. So I don't know if anything was so surprising. And, uh, you know, it was very nice for Dr. Demento to, to you know, say it looked great, be very proud. And, and that, was, that means a lot coming from him. But everyone's given me really good reviews and not like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, a nice book, uh, you know, good, hope you get back to drumming soon. I mean, I've gotten some very genuine, you know, from family and friends. And, and I, you know, watching Al thumb through it, thumb through it, he went to every page and uh, while I stood there and made him. And uh, he, he really, you know, he had seen, you know, what photos were going into the book, of course, but, you know, he hadn't actually seen the book till I handed him one. Right. And uh, he thought it was really cool. Uh, he thought it was very, very cool. And I'm going to I'm going to spill the beans right here and now. I know there were 250 numbered uh, box sets and he got number 27. I gave him number 27. And <laughs> wow. so he's, he, if, if, if you're wondering where that number went, he's the guy that got it. And uh, and there you go. So don't don't look for it on eBay. Anybody. What makes him so special? <laughs> I don't know, you know. I can't think of a better person to get it other than possibly myself or Ethan. Right. Well, I have some blank cards. I'll just make you up a couple of number 27s and whoever gets it on eBay first, there you go. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I, I, I can't do that. Actually, I might take one of those cards and make a zero out of 250. Oh, that'd that be would good. be kind of funny. <laughs> that would be good. And then that would replace that would replace the missing number that is Al's number. So really, there's only 249 actual buyers of the book. Right. 
<laughs> and uh, Al, Al's got that number for himself. You could start doing negative numbers, like you know. Actually, there there were some promo copies, like the copies I got are not out of the original two fifty, but I, I still got a card, and uh, I suggested numbering them starting like at two fifty one out of two fifty, mm-hmm. and you know two seventy five out of two fifty and stuff like that. So I thought that would be kind of fun, and then uh, so my my uh, personal copy is number two eighty four out of 250 so it's kind of an impossible number they're all impossible numbers but negative numbers would have been fun i hadn't thought of that if we do another special edition and we run more than 250 of them we'll we'll go negative numbers after that (laughs) oh i hope there's another special edition or is there any talks of a soft cover version or anything or is it just all too soon well it's it's too soon i think if the book was going to come out if there's going to be a second uh, printing of it and i hope there is uh, I, I would assume it's going to be the hardcover version. Uh, I don't know. You know, may, a soft cover would be fine. They can put nice pages in a soft cover. I mean, that would be the only difference is the cover itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that'd that be cool. I mean, I know that was done with, you know, Weird Al the book. You know, the second edition came out right. as a soft cover, which means that everyone that bought the first one, you know, the, the major fans have to then go buy the second one because it's a different version. <laughs> right. So, so maybe that was kind of smart. Maybe, you, you know what, that's a good idea. Yes, the second printing will be soft cover. Okay. Yeah, that's, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's a very good idea. No, I know you guys, you guys will buy them. Yeah. I'll have to go buy one. Yeah. No, well, I get, you know, I get a deal on it, of course. Right. <laughs> With the success of the book, is there any thoughts of possibly doing a sequel? I know you don't have the black and white photos, but maybe a color version? Well, not a color version of that book exactly, although I could issue color Ricky and Rocky Road and Edith photos and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there are other eras and other sort of themes. I mean, this was, uh, you know, videos and, and some studio. There could be a on-the-road theme. There could be, you know, overseas, you know, to, uh, Australia and, oh, and Europe yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, there, there could be, uh, you know, I've, I've always put some photos up on uh, the, the weirdal.com site, you know, for a long time. Uh, certainly there are more photos than that, and certainly they would look better, you know, much better quality and, and resolution in print. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there are possibilities. Let's see how this one does and, and see how amenable the publisher is to a second uh, edition or a third or, or whatever it takes. You know, that would be cool. I'm ready. I, I, I've certainly got the photos for it. No, no shortage of that. All right, Dave, let's let's each buy three times the number of books we've already bought. So we can... Let's see, three books, I get 35 cents a book. Wow, thank you. I owe you guys a lunch. You heard that, listeners. You know what you have to do. That's right. Well, you need one for every room of the house. Because when you need to see the picture... That's That's true. <laughs> Bermuda, you've said that there are essentially color versions of each picture that appears in the book. I have color alternate photos, you know, and some of which are very, very similar to those. I I believe I was carrying two cameras on some of those shoots, uh, one with color film and one with black and white. So some of the color, you know, photos have been out, but the black and white ones largely have not been seen. And that was the the, uh, selling point of this book is that they were you know, lost, you know, right. they were, you know, just sort of put away and, and never seen before. And, uh, so that was, that was really the reason I wanted to put these out. You know, uh, it would be easy to, to put the other color photos that I shot on those shoots, uh, as a book, you know, that might be a little too much duplication. Uh, that's why I think perhaps a different era, you know, right. the touring, uh, touring years, well, touring, it's, we're still in the touring years, I hope. 
uh, you know, I think there's another theme. So I don't want to just sort yeah. of say, and now here are the color, you know, alternate shots from this. You know, you can see how some of them were very close to the black and white. Are there any color photos that did not have a black and white counterpoint that you wish could have been included? Um, I, I maybe, I don't know. Um, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they, they are what they are. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if you had, I, I mean, I, I didn't want to take any color photos and make black and white out of them, you know, to just to force them, you know, in, into those right, chapters. Right, Okay. Uh, I mean, I will, I will tell you a, a little secret and it's not, well, it's not a giant secret, but it, it's a big secret. That's a large secret. It's, a, it's important. No, the first, the first two photos in the book. The photo of me taking the picture of Al, and then the resulting photo; those were color photos. Ah. And the reason the reason they were, uh, and if you look at them, a photographer, uh, you know, who's familiar with film, would look at that and say, you know what, that's that's a little, that photo was converted. It's got a different, it's a little bit of a different texture, and hmm. you can you can sort it, you can tell, you can tell that all of the grain in there that they're like different color grain things going on. It's not just grayscale. Uh, and those were made black and white, not because we couldn't print the book in color, because I believe the book was printed uh, in color, and just all the photos were just, uh, you know, uh, grayscale, basically. Right. You know, they had been reduced to, you know, to, to essentially black and white, but they all, I believe that everything was printed with color ink, just not using much of the other colors. So it would have been, wouldn't have been difficult to make those two pages color photos. But we wanted to keep it all black and white. We wanted to keep that theme. I mean, uh, uh, there's another picture of me in the back of the book on the uh, for the biography, the long, the uh, two sentence biography. Right. The, that picture of me sitting in in my living room with the camera hanging around my neck, the actual camera, mind you. Uh, that was a color photo. It was a color, you know, photo taken with my phone, and I made that black and white just so it would fit the vibe of the book. And and I added film grain and Photoshop just to really have it be. Uh, you know, consistent with the look of the book. So there's a little bit of trickery on both ends, but the actual photos in the chapters are actual black and white photos and uh, no, no trickery there. Well, I think now we have the recipe for your next edition of the book. Those three photos are now in color and then we'll all buy it again. Ah, <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's not a bad idea. That's a very good idea. No, you know what? The only thing I can think of for, for another day, I, I will tell you there are quite a few, photos that didn't make it into the book mm. and not because they were terrible photos uh well some of them were and not because <laughs> they were repetitive photos although some of them were i mean sometimes i take like you know seven or eight pictures that looked really similar and they you know and i'd send them all to the publisher and they pulled out like two or three of them they say you know we don't really need 10 pictures of essentially the same thing it looks like we're just trying to add pages to a book uh so they made some decisions uh, some editorial decisions, but there's, I don't think there's anything in there that I was dying to have in there, but if there was another edition and we did an expanded edition, for example, uh, I could, I could easily pick out another hundred photos to go in there. Whoa. Oh, that'd yeah, we be could cool. Add, we could add another, you know, 30, 40 pages very easily. And, uh, that could be, that could be cool. I mean, the, the photos are ready. They're ready to go. But we'll see. You know, it's still a ways off to talk about another version of this <laughs> right. book. It came out last week. <laughs> well, right. I, you know, I, I would sooner talk about a different kind of a book or, uh, you know, I'd like to talk about our next tour. You know, that would be exciting, too. Is there any news about a new tour? I don't I don't have any, uh, you know, uh, uh, leads on that. I'm just 
I would love to talk about it. I just, I, there isn't anything to talk about yet. So, you know, more important than a book to me would be getting back on the road and, yeah. and you know, going out and signing all the sure. books that people bought, you know, and then I can think about another book and another tour and stuff like that. Can you tell us about the experience of signing the books? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I hold, I'm right-handed, so I hold the Sharpie in my right hand. And uh, I used, I went through several Sharpies, so they would all be sharp. Uh, and uh, I uh, <laughs> opened up to the, the first uh, basically white page I could find, you know, that, that uh, would work with my right-handedness. Uh, and I uh, signed that top of the page. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool. I signed like 300 books in about 90 minutes. Whoa. That's great. Wow. <laughs> and, and, that, and that does include uh, a lot of personalized. I mean, it wasn't just signing my name, although they do have generic signed copies. Right. But I signed uh, uh, all of the requested uh, things, some of which were, were kind of involved. I had to be very careful, you know, about <laughs> writing and spelling and, and you know, not, not smudging because then I would ruin the book. You know, it wasn't just signing my name. I didn't ruin any books in the process, but I had to be very careful with some of the things because some some people were very specific. I mean, they had me write like a fairly lengthful, <laughs> lengthy stuff. <laughs> I, di- I didn't even think to do that. I should have. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's still time. That's true. Actually, I, 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 I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to do one more quick round of signatures there and then, and then it's done. When they pull down the offer for a personalized book, that's going to be the end of it. So... You know, if you go to BookSoup, the BookSoup link, and you still see that up there, there's still time to get a, a personalized copy. <laughs> if it's gone, you just, I think, get a copy that's uh, just generically signed, which is okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course. Well, we have a real treat because not only did you sign 300 books for people, and not only did you create this great book, but you also brought with you rare audio, and we would love to get right into that right now. All right. Uh, can my drummer take a picture of you? He's got this thing about scrapbooks and stuff. Wow, a, a drummer taking a picture. Imagine that. Imagine. You know what? That was a, that was from Six Flags in St. Louis in like 1983. Wow. And I mean, I when I say I had a camera with me at all times, I mean I had a camera on stage. I, mean, I just I always if wow. if I wasn't playing drums, it was likely that I was taking a picture. I've had Al and the guys turn around so I could take a picture of them with the audience behind them. I mean, I've just. You know, I that I I, I wouldn't do that now, <laughs> or I certainly wouldn't let him know I was doing it. But I, I, I swear I had a camera with me like at all times, and uh, and even on stage. And uh, I guess he saw saw me holding the camera up and uh, realized it wasn't time to start the song. It was time for me to take a picture. So uh, and so that's what that was about. But that that is proof that that even back in the early days, I just I always had a camera with me and I was always taking pictures. And at some point, I'll go dig up that picture that I took. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll send it to you. I, it's, it's one of many such pictures yeah. of, uh, of the audience from my, from my perspective. I was going to ask you specifically if you remember what you were taking a picture of in that particular clip. Well, I would have been taking a picture probably of just the audience, you know, and because and, uh, I just I, I took pictures of the I take pictures when I go to the venue and there's nobody in the audience. I take pictures of the empty house. You know, and then if I can, I'll take a pictures of, of a full house later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just take pictures. You know, I just, I snap, snap, snap. You know? And and they let you do it because when you're a photographer, you can do it. Right. Oh, sorry. That's that's from somewhere else. Sorry. 
I just love that Al mentions, you know, oh, he's making some sort of scrapbook. And yet, it's literally 37 years later, you release this scrapbook. <laughs> it's a little bit nicer than a scrapbook. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I had I had no idea. Actually, this has been in the works for three years. Actually, I thought of it three years ago, and it's only been in the works for a year. I sat for two years doing nothing. <laughs> oh, no, no, I was on tour. That's right. Uh, but I just, you know, the, the idea for it came up you know, a while ago, but not a long time ago. I mean, it just, it had never occurred to me to, to put out a book of photos until I came across the black and white ones. And I thought, you know, that's a special, those are special, you know, let's, let's put those out. And now I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a good start. You know, maybe people want to see more photos. So, uh, you know, something else to think about. And, uh, you know, maybe when we get back on the road, I'll take some more pictures and Al can say, can my driver take more pictures? Jeez, enough with the camera already. Don't you have enough pictures of, the, of audiences from around the world? Jeez. I do have one more question about this very brief three-second clip. How did you come across this? Were you just listening to that concert or did you know to look for it? I, I'm, I'm very curious about that. <laughs> I'm, I, well, you know, in addition to taking photos, I also taped every show. Right. <laughs> so I have, I have the entire show and I think it's something that, that I had pulled out a long time ago when I was transferring the tape, um, you know, and I heard that go by, uh, I thought, oh, that's, that's a fun clip, you know, that's, uh, so, I mean, that's, yeah. that's how I uh, got to that. I've actually saved that as a, as its own little, uh, bite as yeah. it were. <laughs> Now, this next audio clip is really awesome. It's from a show called Star Trek from 1984. And in it, Al talks about the making of the Eat It video, which, of course, we get to see a lot of those pictures in the book. So let's play the clip now. I'm Vicki McCarty, and this is Star Trek. We shot it in two days, which is the same amount of time they took to shoot Beat It, except we did it for a lot less money. It may have cost less, but Weird Al Yankovic's Eat It video took a lot more imagination. Coming up, we'll hear what happened to some of the original Beat It locations on Star Trek. With Eat It, Weird Al Yankovic demonstrated his songwriting and comic skills. Now he's taken the parody one step further and applied his offbeat talents to the video screen. Al explains where some of those weird ideas for his video came from. Uh, it was pretty much written by uh, myself and uh, my manager Jay Levy, who also directed it, made his directorial debut, uh, as well as Robert K. Weiss, who is a friend of ours who um, produced the Blues Brothers and Dr. Detroit and uh, Kentucky Fried Movie and Police Squad has just been around and knows everything. And uh, we just sat around for an entire evening in front of the TV set with our VCR and we just watched it beat it over and over and over and over and over. And <laughs> by the end of the night we had a whole notepad full of ideas of things we could change and little gags we could put in and uh, basically just storyboarded it from there. The next step was duplicating the stage set. The whole thing was done on a sound stage in Los Angeles because uh, the original locations that Michael used are gone. <laughs> I mean, the warehouse, well, I was told that the warehouse had burned down and the diner was condemned and uh, they couldn't find the alley or something like that or we couldn't use it for some other reason. Um, so we just had to make everything from scratch. Weird Al Yankovic. For Star Trek, I'm Vicki McCarty on the Westwood One Radio Network. That is really cool. Is that available anywhere else or is that just something in your archives? Well, that was a radio show uh, uh, done by Westwood One where uh, I worked where Al worked, right. actually, before I did. And uh, he was already gone by the time that was recorded. It's, it's ironic. He was an employee there and then disappeared and then was being called back for interviews <laughs> and stuff like that. And and uh, that was, uh, 
I don't know how many radio stations aired that. Maybe, you know, 200 radio stations. And I think at the time that was sent out on a reel-to-reel tape. Oh. Like it wasn't really, it didn't make sense for some reason to press an LP for that. So those were sent out on tape. So, of course, I, you know, anything that, that I knew had Al in it, you know, I worked at the at the company, I scroll those away. So I actually have, you know, the, the shows that were sent out. There's a show, there's a cue sheet, you know, a, a sheet that explains what the different segments are, what the commercials are, stuff like that. Now, I, I should add that that uh, the host, Vicki McCarty, now, if you're a fan of Wheel of Fortune, you might possibly know the name. She was in the running to be, you know, Vanna White was not the original letter-turning girl. And I, I forget who the original one was, mm. but they were looking for another one. And Vicki McCarty was in the running. And Pat Sajak apparently liked Vicki. Wow. And, uh, you know, thought, thought, no, I thought she would be good. And for whatever reason, uh, Vanna turned out to be, uh, you know, the, the final choice. I don't know if the producers got involved or what. Uh, so that's, that's one of her claims to fame. Uh, another, she was the host of the Star Trek uh, radio show. It was, uh, it was called a short feature because they were usually like three minutes. You know, they were just little things put in. It wasn't like a 60-minute show, mm. you know, that you would listen to. It just sort of, you'd be hearing the radio and then at, at five minutes, you know, to four every day or something, you'd hear this little short feature. So Star Trek was one of those. So she was the host of that. And she was also, if you have a copy of the uh, Playboy uh, September 1979 issue, she was also the centerfold. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to be looking for that now. Yeah. (laughs) The prices have just gone up on eBay. (laughs) Oh, and she was also, uh, you know, for those uh, in the industry, she was also married to uh, uh, a producer and a record executive named uh, Jimmy Iovine. And Jimmy, I think, was I don't I don't remember if he was with Interscope or he was he was an executive. He's easy to look up. I O V I N E Jimmy Iovine. Isn't he the guy who like co-created Beats headphones? He's the one of the producers on the American Idol show. It's instrumental behind that. I'm not surprised. No, he's he's well known and uh, and uh, well entrenched in the industry. So so that was her ex, I believe. Wow. So she had a lot going for her uh, back in the day. You know she. Uh, you know, centerfold, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Very interesting. Wow. So that's 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 all I can say about that. <laughs> now, what's interesting in that clip is that Al mentions that the music video was written by his longtime manager, Jay Levy, but also Robert K. Weiss, who uh, was behind the Blues Brothers and the Naked Gun films, but he also played a bartender in UHF. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was that was very cool. I, uh, Jay was associated with him with uh, Robert, and uh, yeah, that was very cool. I think he was involved in the Dare to be Stupid video. Um, I have color photos of, of him. Oh, cool. So, uh, you know, maybe we, we could do not a book on him, but uh, maybe a page. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe, maybe a pamphlet or something. Uh, that's right, yeah, Robert K. Weiss was, was uh, you know, quite a hot property back then. It was very cool that, uh, that he was involved. You know, I mean, Al, of course, helped, helped write the video too, but... Uh, yeah, the three of them put their heads together and, and came up with uh, Eat It. Wow. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he was also involved in The Complete Al, and he had a, at least a, some kind of role in the Like a Surgeon video as well. Well, The, the Complete Al and, and all of that stuff was all done at one time, uh, producing uh, Like a Surgeon, Dare to be Stupid, and right. One More Minute videos. Right. And, and that was all shot, all, anything that was uh, you know live footage, 
for that was was shot around that time. So yeah, he he would have been involved with those as well. Were you at the interview when Vicky interviewed Al for this? No, I'll tell you how that stuff works. Professional secret. Uh, <laughs> most of it, most of the, I mean, I, not all the time, but a lot of times, uh, companies that produce programming will interview uh, celebrities, you know, uh, about uh, their new project or if they're up and coming or if something, you know. If they're newsworthy, they will interview them, and they'll ask them all sorts of questions. Now, obviously, at this time, um, I mean, the interview would have been done probably around April of uh, 1984, maybe maybe mid-April, and so they knew to ask questions about Edith, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and uh, then basically, uh, Vicky would uh, ask questions that were tailored to Al's answers even though these they were pre-recorded oh, got know, it. Okay. two, three weeks earlier. And it was it was basically assembled. I mean, she didn't sit down with him. Even though they're Westwood One buddies, they're not okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean he would have he would have met her. He would have known, you know, who right. she was, of course. But they, they did not sit down for an interview. So that clip, you know, uh I mean he was involved with uh he, he not involved, he was uh his sound bites were featured on other shows as well. Earth News had become a Westwood One show, and there are Earth News clips with Al on them and, and might have had even some of the same clips. Oh, very cool. Uh, some of the same things. Uh, you know, it's it's possible, you know, with a different person talking, you know, pretending to have interviewed him. Right. <laughs> now, I, I will tell you that when Dr. Demento would feature an interview with him and Al, it was him and Al. That was, that was a, a proprietary interview that he conducted. They didn't just cut in some interview he had done at another time and and tailor his questions. He sat down with Al and that, you know, those are for real. That's right. him and the doctor. Everything else eh, is kind of uh, put together. <laughs> well, I, I do want to share another industry secret with our listeners. <gasps> what you're listening to right now, Bermuda was pre-recorded. Dave and I are just filling in after the fact. He just sent us all of his audio. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about those Dodgers? <laughs> They're kidding. Come on, everybody. Of course. They're kidding. You're kidding, aren't you? They're kidding. I think they're kidding. No comment. All right. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned Dr. Demento because you did bring with you a couple clips from the Dr. Demento show. And I want to get into one of them from 1976. Let's play that one right now. Now it's time for the Dr. Pepper Puzzler. Be the first to call Laughing Linda and Jungle Judy at 520-KMET with the right answer to the Dr. Pepper Puzzler and win yourself a Dr. Demento's Delights record album. Now, here's the question. I'm going to play a record by Red Engel. He's going to sing Cigarettes, Husky, and Wild, Wild Women. The Dr. Pepper Puzzler is... What other great demented artist did Red Engel perform and record with? What other artist that I play on the show a lot, did Red Engel perform and record with. Here's Red on his own. And we have a winner on the Dr. Pepper Puzzler Contest. And it's a fellow, the fellow with the accordion, who sung his songs for us on the show a couple of times. And he's as fast on the telephone dial and with the right answers as he is with his accordion uh, fingers. Right. Yes, it's Alfred Yankovic, who not only is pretty fast with the fingers, he's pretty fast with the right answers on the test, too. He's the valedictorian of his class at Linwood High School. Congratulations, Alfred. A smart boy, that Alfred, and he won our Dr. Pepper Puzzler this week. The answer, Red Engel performed for several years and made some fine records with Spike Jones. What a smart boy, that Alice. <laughs> and valedictorian. Wow. That is such a cool clip. 
now, of course, Al was already known on the show. He had already uh, uh, submitted uh, Belvedere Cruising. And uh, this was this was on the May 30th, 1976 show. So, I mean, that was pretty cool. It's funny that, that he didn't call him Weird Al. I don't really remember at what point he became Weird Al. Well, actually, it hadn't happened yet because he wasn't at college yet. Right. He had or was just about to graduate uh, at this point in 76. So he was, yeah, he was not yet Weird Al at that point. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to hear Dr. Demento call him Alfred. And it's also just interesting to hear him called a smart boy because, you know, you don't think that he is, you know, 16, 17 years old at this point. Yeah, he would have been, he would have been 16. He wasn't yet 17 even. Wow. It's so cool. Now, was that common at the time for Al, uh, Alfred, I guess, to call into the Dr. Demento show and answer these contests, these puzzlers, or just to call into the show in general? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suspect, you know, I mean, there, there was, I, I, I used to do that too. I mean, I would try and call in and, and do that kind of stuff. I mean, I know Al's ear was firmly planted to the radio on Sunday yeah. nights. You know, <laughs> Dr. Demento did his show live here in LA and, uh, you know, before there was a syndicated version, even. Uh, yeah, I, I guess he called in. I mean, I don't know. I may have some other clips around. I'm not sure. You know, that was one that I got from Al. Oh, okay. Uh, Al used to put things on, on eight-track tapes. He would record stuff on eight-track tapes, and I got all the tapes and an eight-track player and <laughs> digitized all the stuff and then uh, <laughs> and, and sort of dumped it into an archive and... You know, that was one of the things I pulled out. Oh, I thought wow. that was pretty cool. So that wasn't from the Dr. Demento archive. That was from Al's actual personal recording? Well, his recording of the Dr. Demento show, yeah. Right. That's so cool. And just while you mention 8-tracks, as collectors, we're always looking to find unique and interesting things. Are there any official releases of Weird Al on an 8-track that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. The only thing I could think of that possibly might have, could have been on an 8-track was the KTEL album from 1981, 82, something like that, Just for Laughs, uh, which had another one, Rides the Bus, on it. Hmm. I, I have to believe it was on cassette, although I've never seen one. And it was from the era when they were still doing 8-tracks, just barely. 8-tracks were being phased out pretty much. Uh, Thriller, I believe, was the last album, 1982, was it? 83, maybe? That had that came out on eight track because Michael wanted it to come out on eight track. So of course, you know, CBS is like, oh, oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, Michael. <laughs> so it's that's the only possibility. Oh, it looks like my Bologna was on there too. Uh, you mentioned that you called into the Doctor Demento show and tried to enter some of these contests. Did you ever win any of the contests? No, uh, no, not the call in. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't that clever. <laughs> Did you know this trivia answer, though, Spike Jones? You know, I, I was listening to it as, as I listened to the clip, and I thought, is, who would that be? Because I know the name Red Ingle, and I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, Spike had so many different people who would come in and, and you know, sort of guest on his records and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I probably would have guessed it, you know, and especially when, uh, when Demento says, you know, someone I play a lot. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's like, well... At that time, it wasn't Weird Al, so it had to be <laughs> Spike Jones. Uh, uh, I, you know, I probably would have figured it out in, in a couple of guesses, yeah. but I, I knew the name Red Engel. Yeah. 
Now we've got another clip here from Dr. Demento, and this is a really important one. We just celebrated the 40th anniversary of this. Let's let's take a listen. Now we're going to have, as an extra, an added attraction, some live music here on the program yeah. featuring Weird Al Yankovic. Let's try one channel here. Does that channel work? Okay, let's we'll see. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Both. Oh. Okay, scream and holler a little bit, and I'll set the level. Scream and holler. Now play some music. Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. Ah, uh, memories, memories, <laughs> memories of another one rides the bus. Yeah, that's that's such a great piece of audio. I mean, this you know you you never hear that intro unless you were listening to Doctor Demento or, or you have a tape of that show. I mean, that's just so awesome and and so iconic to hear. You know, I, I forgot where I got that. I mean, obviously I was in the studio. I wasn't taping it at the time, but I think I may have got that either from Musical Mike or possibly from Jeff Morris, probably from Jeff Morris, uh, who who handles the archives of the show. When you hear that, do, does it bring you back there? Like, can you picture where you were sitting and, and what you could see? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was actually, I was I was kneeling on the floor, uh, which if anybody saw us on the first and, and you know, second tour, I think, I, I would come out in front of the drum set and put the accordion case on the floor and, you know, get on my knees and beat the hell out of it. I mean, I didn't have a stand or have it on my lap or anything. I didn't know that. So that's that's how, that's uh, what I was doing in the studio that night in the control room was uh, I just, I had it on the floor and, and was just beating on it. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, I, I remember. Wow. I remember well. <laughs> So when you performed that song live back in the 1980s, you performed it on an accordion case. At what point did you finally transition over and start performing it on drums? Well, I never, ever actually per performed it. We never tried to do the song as an actual Queen version. It was always, it always had to be the accordion, you know, version mm -hmm. with, with the other guys clapping and stuff like that and, <laughs> and the sound effects and all. As, as opposed to my Bologna, which we originally played like we did on the first album and then ultimately played more like the knack hmm. uh you know as, as particularly the drums i mean i wasn't doing the knack drum parts on the first album by any stretch uh, that's just how we did it but that's how we did a bunch of the songs you know we weren't, weren't that authentic uh in, in terms of capturing the original vibe of the song you know much less duplicating it like we started to do after a couple albums right um but there there was probably a point where i did do that on the bass drum there was a point where I think I had a sample of the actual accordion case. I went and recorded the original accordion case, which I, which I had beat up so badly I had to retire from touring because I had, I had beat it up so horribly badly. I mean, I just if I had any idea that, you know, it was such a treasured, you know, thing, you know, that Al might want to put that original accordion back in it someday. Right. You know, I would have gone and bought another case. But I did, I did eventually, after I'd beat the snot out of that, I had... Uh, Bought another another actual accordion case, and uh, outfitted that, and then I beat that up too, and then I think I bought another one, and then there was a certain point where we just stopped doing that, and then when we brought it back, I just did it on the bass drum, but I did try a sample of it, and it just wasn't the same. It was just kind of, it was much better to at least play the drum on it, right, and uh, and and like that, but I I can't remember the last time we we played that. I would have, and there was a point where it got relegated to the medley. Right. I mean, there's only so much time to play all of Al's singles, you know, in one show. Yeah. So that's how things often wound up in the medley. Or if he didn't have uh, a complete version of a song, 
that sometimes wound up in the medley. So there were a bunch of those. That's that's a show in itself, talking about all the little, you know, a yeah. verse and a chorus of a song that never got recorded. Oh, we'll have to do that sometime. You know, never got permission. Yeah. Uh, chicken pot pie, snack all night, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, so the fact that the accordion case was the instrument, when you guys would travel with that, would there be a case to put the case in? No, okay. and that's part of what helped beat it up. Okay. I mean, I flew it to New York, you know, as is, okay. basically, you know, when we did the Tomorrow Show. Uh, that was fun, with, with the sound effects and stuff inside of it. I mean, everything oh, was man. packed inside of it. And, and uh, you know, we're lucky it didn't get lost. But I'm sure it took a little bit of a beating then. Uh, you know, it just... Uh... Now, we handled all of our own gear on the first couple of tours, so I probably personally babied that myself right uh, so you know I, I yeah i was i was careful with it uh, if we were to do that now we would probably put it in its own case we would put a 25 dollar <laughs> beaten up accordion case in a 300 dollar <laughs> anvil case with wheels <laughs> you know and locks you know that's that's one of the holy grails people ask you know what's yeah. what's you know some of the coolest one of a kind stuff in in the archive and i would have to say that the accordion case is, you know, I mean, Al's accordion itself would be the number one item, but, you know, because I have the accordion case, that's probably my number one item in the archive that's a one-of-a-kind, right? particularly cool, you know, personal Al, you know. It's even got a little Dymo label. Remember those? It's got a little blue Dymo label that says Alfred Yankovic. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, still. So it's... Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool, you know. That's but that was uh, yeah. Hearing that recording, I mean, it just it takes me right back. We have a third clip also from the Doctor Demento show, and this is a little uh, bit that features Weird Al. Let's take a listen to it right now. Bob and Doug McKenzie from the Great White North and take off. Well, that record has so so much conversation on it and so many fascinating sounds. I wonder if there really are things on it that perhaps wouldn't be audible to the average unsuspecting record buyer. Like, let's just see if we can turn it backwards and whether all that stuff is really true. Let, let's, let's see. Take off, take off the hell, you little scumbag. Uh, Satan wants you to take off. <laughs> take off. <laughs> I wonder... No, we were just kidding. Yeah. But uh, that's Bob and Doug McKenzie, with a little help from uh, with a little help from uh, people's vivid imaginations. Here, here's number two. Yeah, and so so of course wow. the lead the lead voice on that that little bit was was Al, of course. And if it wasn't clear, he was saying, "Take off to hell, you little scum buckets! Satan wants you to take off." Anyway. <laughs> Oh, that's so oh, great. Boy. Good, good times. Good times. <laughs> Do you have a date on that one? Uh, that was like May of 1982. Ah, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that in any way helped inspire, you know, the nature trail to hell backwards message. I don't think that in itself. I mean, Al was certainly aware of, you know, all the, the controversy surrounding, you know, supposed backwards masking right. and genuine backwards masking. You know, I, I don't think that that particular little bit, you know, stuck in his head for the next two years. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes he does get an idea and it wow. never leaves his head. So, you know, this idea for the orchestral tour of 2019 had been rattling around in his brain since uh, summer of 2016. Oh, wow. 
Wow. I wonder what else is ranting around in there. Both of the backward masking clips do mention Satan, so there is a possibility that uh, there was some connection between right. the two. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, Satan eats cheese whiz. Yeah. Ah, that's... Uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's uh, no, it's very. Then that then then Satan was in his brain for a couple of years. <laughs> he just had to let him out. <laughs> which which explains actually explains some of the songs on the second album. Wow, oh, that's too bad. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that, now okay, now I get it. Uh, that, that clears up a lot. Okay. Now while we're on the topic of you know Doctor Demento and and these radio clips, you've sent us a couple of these really cool radio spots that have aired over the years for, for various different concerts and events. And um, really excited to play this one. This is the earliest one from 1981. This Saturday, meet the weirdest of all. KRNA presents Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, that's right. This Saturday, meet the weirdest of all. Weird Al Yankovic. We're going to stop it there, but we'll be back next week with Bermuda for even more rare audio clips and radio promos from his archives. Plus, we have exciting Bermuda-related news to share next week. Oh, wow! I'm excited for the Bermuda-related news! Me too! Plus, I'm very excited to hear what he brings for next week's episode. Yeah! Are you sure we can't just play one teaser clip for next week's episode? Oh, I don't know. I asked our intern Frank, and he said no. Come on, give us one more clip, please. Come on, Frank, Frank! Oh, oh, we're in hell! We're in hell, Frank! Frank, play another clip! Play another clip! Play another clip! Play another clip! Oh, oh, Frank! Please! Well, somehow your whining works like it always does. Frank's giving the thumbs up for one teaser clip. 557! Amazing! It was so great to hear all those rare old clips from the Dr. Demento show. Can you believe he's been on the air for 50 years? That's crazy. I wonder how far back Dr. Demento's personal music collection goes. Maybe all the way back to the first century? Ah, yes, just like his new album out on Friday, First Century Dementia, the oldest novelty record of all time. I wonder where he got the idea for that album. Good question. Why don't we just ask him? Hey, Dr. D, where did you get the idea for your new album, First Century Dementia, the oldest novelty record of all time? Oh, hi, Dave. Hello, Ethan. My producer, John Caffiero, actually thought of it. He also came up with the idea for Dr. Demento covered in punk, and that's done pretty well. We're working on volume two, in fact. So he thought, let's try something different. I mean, really different. Ooh, very exciting. Well, where did you first discover these songs? Well, I've been listening to this music since I was seven years old, and my grandpa gave me some of his old records. When I was 13, I saw that the Salvation Army store I'd pass on my way to school had a sign in the window saying, Records, half price, two for five cents. Within a few years, I'd found copies of many of the records included in this package. When I began the Doc Dirty Mento show in 1970, I'd occasionally play some of them on the air. Wow, that is so cool. How did you decide which songs to include? <laughs> it wasn't easy. Comedy songs and spoken comedy routines and sketches were a major part of the record business in the early 20th century. So I started with records that I'd loved for all my life, and... 
added a few recent discoveries, and narrowed them down, which was the hardest part. I mean, it's got 24 tracks on it, and that sounds like a lot, but compared with all the comedy that was recorded back in those days, it's just a, just a fraction. All right, I know it's tricky because it's a compilation album, but if you had to choose, which song could be the album's single? Well, I'd say uh, Barney Google by Billy Jones and Ernest Hare. It was a huge hit when it came out in 1923, and it's probably the best-remembered song on the album today. In those days, just about everybody read the comic strips in the newspaper, the funny papers, as they were called, and Barney Google was one of the most popular comic strips. Barney Google was a sportsman of sorts, uh, what people used to call a 'er ne'er-do-well. He was the owner of a decrepit racehorse whose name was Sparkplug, and Sparkplug became the most popular character in the strip. The song by the Tin Pan Alley stalwarts Billy Rose and Con Conrad was so catchy that it remained popular long after the comic strip character was mostly forgotten. Great choice. Thanks for letting us know. Now I know why you've been on the air for 50 years. You are so knowledgeable. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for answering our questions, and congratulations on the new album. Well, catch you later, Dave and Ethan. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Demento. Thanks, Dr. D. Don't forget to pick up this Friday the brand new album from Dr. Demento, First Century Dementia. Yes, if you head over to drdemento.com and click on store, you can get the brand new album, First Century Dementia, and a lot of really awesome merchandise based on the album, plus a whole bunch more. And collectors, you're also going to want to pick up the Record Store Day vinyl release, the limited two-disc black vinyl gatefold LP, available exclusively at indie shops on Record Store Day this Black Friday 2020. Yes, head over to recordstoreday.com for a list of participating stores so you can make sure you get your limited edition vinyl. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also populated. As of the year 2000 census, there were 276 people, 119 households, and 79 families residing in Darwin, Minnesota. The population density was 368.7 people per square mile. And for our Canadian listeners, that's 142.1 people per square kilometer. There were 130 housing units at an average density of 173.6 per square mile. And again, for you Canadian listeners, that's an average density of 66.9 housing units per square kilometer. In a nod to Weird Al fans everywhere, 27.2% of the population was under the age of 18. I'm pretty sure that was intentional. For more fun population facts, visit discoverdarwin.biz. Visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. Each week, we're able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito, Angel Valenzuela and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and our amazing Patreon supporters like Summer, Calvin, and so many more. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch is how we can afford to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. 
we'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Another way to support the podcast is to pick up and wear merchandise from the official Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. Head over to shop.2000inch.com for t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, face masks, and more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And please join our Facebook group by heading on over to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. Don't forget to tag fun Weird Al or podcast-related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag Gil and Chill. And remember to follow at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to every episode of this podcast and check out our past guests on 2000inch.com or weirdoutpodcast.com, as well as heading on over to youtube.2000inch.com. Make sure to share our posts, tell your friends about the podcast, and we love it when you leave us voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline 347 spatula. You might even hear your message on the air. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. You already know where to find us, but do yourselves a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or the podcast app of your choice, and hit the subscribe button to ensure that you do not miss a single episode. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and bonus episodes may drop at any time. Thanks again to this week's guest, John Bermuda Schwartz. Thanks to Dr. Demento and John Caffiero, Chris Sear, Mike Minnick, and thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. Tune in next week, episode 83-inch, to hear the exciting conclusion of our chat with Bermuda, where he promises to share even more rare clips and promos. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 82-inch. The Weird Al podcast, whose theme is by two-time Grammy-nominated Jim Kimo West. Am I am I right? I better I better look this up. I want to make sure I've, I've named the right song because I put it in the archive for a reason. Just for laughs, just for laughs, 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 laughs. J J J B C D E F G H T J H I. Just okay. Hold on. I got too many things in here. It's taken me a while to scroll. <laughs> uh, just just for laughs. Ha 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 ha. Okay.